Welcome back to another episode of What's the Story, 90s Glory. Hope everyone's having a lovely week. Um, I'm back again this week with my co-host, Mr. David Graham. Graham, how are you, mate? You well? How are we doing, Paul? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Not too bad. Um, ducking and diving here and there. <laughs> Lots of things going on. But yeah, we're record- what time are we recording this now? Six o'clock on a Monday. So life's so busy. You have to find different times to do different things. So yeah, I'm waffling already. But yeah, I'm good, mate. Thanks. I know, I know what it's like. It's been a, it's been a mad couple of months. Between, obviously, you've got to have a pod, pod, uh, Rope with Dope podcast doing the boxing podcast with David Holland. He's had loads of personal issues going on the last couple of weeks with family and whatnot. You've had a few issues with your stuff. I've had a nightmare with staff and a bit of bad health and whatnot. It's a bloody nightmare. Absolute nightmare. We but- need to stop doing it by season. I'm oh, sorry, I've cut in already. We need to stop doing it by season. We need to do it week in, week out to keep it going, to keep the flow going, to keep the fans <laughs> interested on Twitter and on it, on the downloads. We need to do it on a weekly basis. We have to find the time. Yeah, it's getting yeah, harder as, and harder. Yeah, as well. Yeah, <laughs> as well. Agreed. Yeah. Well, before we start this week's episode, uh, we're going to start with an oldie but a goldie. It's Drink of the Week. Dave, what have you got of us this week, buddy? Well, I have got a drink and it is alcoholic. Um, I did make a promise to the pod, but my promise to the pod has slightly failed um, <laughs> due to the fact that I've got a lack of funds at the moment, which sounds really bad. However, I have been drinking the super strong beers, the 8%, the 9%, depending on what um, how Paul puts the show out, which which week, etc. if that makes any sense. But I have got a beer. Um, it's an imported beer. I have never had it on the podcast before. I found it online. Cheapest chips, by the way, compared to some of the stuff I've had in the past. This is off an Oriental website. It's called Bia Saigon Export Lager um, from Vietnam. If you can see it there, Paul. I put a picture oh, of the WhatsApp. I've yeah. drunk that. Yeah. yeah. 4.9. Absolutely delicious. £1.25 for a 355ml uh, bottle. Cheapest chips and absolutely beautiful out of the fridge. Highly recommend it. Anybody, uh, anybody sorry, go online to, I think it's Trade Winds, a bit of a call out there, or shower if you like. Be a Saigon export from Vietnam. 100% really good. But Paul, you've had it, yeah? Do you like it? Because you're not a lager drinker, so I'm waiting for the negative coming from you. No, no, no. <laughs> no, I don't mind that. I've had that a couple of times. It's not... It's, it, they do it in some of the restaurants around here. Some of the, it's not um, gassy at all. It's not gassy. It's really nice. Yeah, it's quite smooth. Um, yeah. Not, yeah, so I, I don't I don't mind it. I wouldn't obviously... It's, do you know what I find it's got a similarity to? It's, it's stronger than Bud, but it's got an, a simple... Yeah. When you drink it, it's nice and smooth. Like, but I find Bud's quite smooth, uh, smooth drink. I think that's got a, a bit of similarities to it. But I've gone with. Um, I know I said I was gonna try and keep up with the cholesterol, the cholesterol, kestrel, that shit. Um, but but unfortunately this week, no. I've gone with. Um, I went away at the airport and in Gibraltar. All the alcohol is like dirt. It's ridiculously cheap. It's brilliant. So I always like stock up on a few little bits. So uh, I've got a hazelnut rum. 
and it's another dead man's fingers. Now I've gone for. They're lovely. So this is more of a liqueur. This one, but it's thirty-seven and a half percent, um, seven hundred mils, and this was eight pounds in the supermarkets. This is like twenty, twenty-five pounds. Like it's ridiculous how cheap it is. Uh, it's bargain. It's it's a bit Christmassy because you've got the hazelnut, but it's strong. But you've got a nice like a like a Bailey. It's, it's gonna be it's gonna be if you're gonna drink it neat from the bottle. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell, man! But it's like a rum. Nice bottles, it's a nice bottle, yeah, and it, it rum infused with like hazelnut and anything with hazelnut, mate. I'm a big fan of. I'm a softy for hazelnut. Hazelnut, anything. I just I love the taste of hazelnuts. So, ladies and gentlemen, that is our um our drink of the week. So, guys, this week we're going to look back at one of the years of the decade in the 90s. And I've chosen the year 1996. Christmas is over. You're now 13. Your balls are dropped. Well, our balls were dropped and we were 13. Uh, and you may have just started developing, um, you know, a crush on some local boobs for the opposite sex. It's the best year of the decade, I thought, 96. There's so many fond memories I have of 96. And I'm going to give you some of the reasons why. So I'm not going to break them down bit by bit. I'm going to start off with one and we'll debate it and then we'll go on to the next one. And Dave's going to come with anything that he remembers from 96, that particular year, as quite memorable. The first thing I've started with, mate, is the Spice Girls form in 96. Debut single, Wannabe, absolute sensation in 96. Helped in no small part by the dizzly, you know, dazzling, colourful, sexy attractions of girl power, scary, sporty, posh, baby and ginger. They scored the Christmas number one that year with Two Become One, as well as the reign of Mel Brown, uh, Melanie Brown, Melanie Chis- Chisholm, I think it was, Victoria Adams, later Beckham, Emily Bunton, and Jerry Halliwell. They were all over us by the end of the decade. Spice Geld Road was built in 96, all the way to the peak of Britpop. Don't Look Back in Hangar hits the charts, and we all turn into Manx. 96, the music scene, Spice Girls, Oasis, Blur. Anything you can mention about that, you know, that, that is why 96 is so amazing <laughs> you know what when i when you said about doing this episode today i had a quick nosy and on some of the notes and stuff because you, you have to rack your brains in without going on to google my first two instant thoughts were spice girls and masturbating <laughs> <laughs> Literally, so you said 13 14 years of age your balls are dropped our parents aren't seeing us because we're in our bedrooms all the time literally mate on my notes i've got yeah, spice girls and masturbating or wanking <laughs> masturbating seems a bit <laughs> To make it better terminology. Anyway, on a serious note, I didn't actually write Oasis, which is really strange because I was mad into Britpop. But yeah, Spice Girls, man. Um, Yeah, Spice Girls. So what I'd say about the Spice Girls is just before the Spice Girls, probably 10 years prior, you had Bananarama, which were probably the first sort of UK girl band invasion. But this was like to a next level, really. I actually remember seeing the first first time I saw one of your video, funnily. Um, I was around a mutual friend, Louis Sinclair's house, because I used to knock for him in the mornings going to school. And it was on the box. And because it was like, at the time, we were sort of invested, uh, not invested, that's a wrong type of word, interested, should I say, in sort of dance music, he suppose, a little bit of rap, uh, pop music to an extent. But this was a girl band. You don't really, teenage boys don't, aren't really drawn to girl bands. But the video was, that's hard to explain. It was the, it was the video, obviously, Jerry wearing something skimpy, but not just that. It was all of them wearing different attire, being sort of loudish, outland, outlandish, if you like. Um, and there was something about wannabe song. Now, we've heard pop songs in, in, uh, in the past and in the present, but at the time, this sort of, it's not, it was a head turner. But I think we, I think he had like a mini pool table in his flat, in his bedroom. And I remember it coming on. We was playing before we, before we went to school. And we sort of turned around and said, who's it? I heard this. Who's this? The queue went down. Yeah, the hands went in the pockets and 
fucking hell, they're a bit of all right. But the weird thing was, it wasn't so much what they looked like, even though they're stunning girls, some of them, or all of them, depends on what you like. But it was the music as well. And from then, they became massive, not because we watched them in the bedroom, but we started following them. And at the time, you wouldn't admit you'd like the Spice Girls, but deep down you would. Their music as well as, as them as a fivesome. But yeah, Spice Girls, massive. Oasis, massive. Didn't get to see them till 2000. Um, I think that was the last time I literally listened to them. But I used to model myself on Liam Gallagher or try to, you know, the Britpop invasion with Blur and, and um, uh, what's, your, uh, what's his name? Cocker. I think off the top of my head now, Pulp and a few of the others. But yeah. yeah. Britpop, music, um, balls dropping, as we mentioned, tongue in cheek, all a massive part for us as teenagers growing up in 94, um, 96, mate. Sorry, yeah. Yeah, as I said, Britpop, was a, it was the peak of, I think 96, and 96 to 98 was the peak of Britpop, but I think 96 was the road where it all it all came together. You know, back mm. uh, don't go back in anger in 96, just an absolute tune. It's just, it is, 90, it is 90s. And I think those two... Um, moments just symbolise how amazing it was. Then you've got films in 96. So I know you're not a massive film buff, but... Yeah, you tell me, because I've got no films written down, so this is your bit. <laughs> I'll give you what, I know you've seen one of these, and one of these, I think, is a cultural, uh, as a classic. So the Mission Impossible franchise kicks off in 96. The first one with Tom Cruise uh, and John Volt. Loved it uh, when it came out. I've watched it many times, and obviously it's still going now. That's how, how big a franchise it became. Um... A new wave of horror is born uh, with Freddy, uh, Freddy Krueger and Jason no longer dominating. The horror films uh, arrive now. Scream arrives. Hello. Hello. Yes. Who is this? Mm, who are you trying to reach? What number is this? What number are you trying to reach? I don't know. Well, I think you have the wrong number. Do I? It happens. Take it easy. Hello? I'm sorry, I guess I dialed the wrong number. Uh, well, so why'd you dial it again? To apologize. You're forgiven. Bye now. Wait, wait, don't hang up. What? I want to talk to you for a second. They've got 900 numbers for that. See ya. Shit. Yes? What do you want? To talk. Well, dial someone else, okay? Listen, asshole! No, you listen, you little bitch. You hang up on me again, I'll gut you like a fish, understand? <sighs> yeah. Is this some kind of joke? More of a... away from calling the police they'd never make it in time we're out in the middle of nowhere. no have you seen scream what? i'm 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 assuming uh, mate i think i feel i saw the first 10 minutes when she's on the telephone is it drew bayham on the telephone it is yes that's correct and that's all i've seen of it <laughs> is that 96 1996 you never 96 i think uk 97 i think it came out 
at wow. October in the US and then uh, and later in the year in, in the UK. But not honestly, I never thought that was 90s at all. Not that I've, I've had a look at anything. I could have, if I was in a pub quiz now and they said, What year did the scream come out? I'd sitting in a pub, I'd be saying 2000, 2001. Oh, God, it makes you feel old now, that Paul. I know. And again, another franchise that's still going, but Scream arrives and it, it, it gave a new lease to horror because in the, you know, Jason and Freddy and Halloween in the, like the eighties, obviously leading into the early nineties, there was a massive gap where like the, the horror franchise just fell off a cliff and Scream come along and it was a new type of horror. Um, it is, it divides quite a few horror fans because it's a slasher film and you've got a, a human as the killer opposed to having like this, you know, deaf man or dream man. It was an actual human. It was a mass murderer, basically. It was a, what would you call him? A, um, a serial killer, uh, basically, is what, what it was. Yeah. And it changed. It was like the mask. Uh, and that kicked off a new kind of start to horror, which I thought was a brilliant. It's very important because it kind of led to what horror becomes for the next 10, 15 years. And nothing much changed. Even now, I think we're, we're, we're going back. And that's why Scream's coming back out again, because it's just gone full circle. And another film came out in 96, and this is an absolute... I'm, I'm going to assume you haven't seen this, which is an absolute travesty from Dust Till Dawn. Uh, George Clooney, Quentin Tarantino. Oh my God, guys. Mate, I, I, no. I, I, I don't I, tell lies. I've never heard of it. <laughs> no, don't know it, mate, honestly. Everybody be cool. You be cool. Somewhere in the middle of nowhere. Low profile. You understand the meaning of the words low profile? Sure. Of America's most dangerous criminals have taken hostages. What is this? It's called a punch. I'm going to ask you one question, and all I want is a yes or no answer. Do you want to live through this? Yes. Okay, ramblers, let's get rambling. One night is all that stands between them and freedom. This is my kind of place. But it's going to be. One hell of a night. We might be in trouble. There are a bunch of fucking vampires out there trying to get in here and suck our fucking blood. Now, their only chance is to fight back. Oh, yeah! Wax lyrical, don't know it. If this is, this is about 1996, it must have been a good one. You're going to save the best bits. You know, you're going to put the best films in the 1996 episode. Yeah. So, I, I, I mean, these they're so culturally important. As I said, Scream really important due to the it changes and the, 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 changes the horror scene. Dust or Dawn can, comes out. Quentin Tarantino obviously is quite a successful movie director. This he, he doesn't direct this. He's in this with George Clooney, and it's a, such a good. Film. I remember my dad coming back from Blockbusters. I think he was 18 or 15. And we put it on and it was like these two guys going on a road trip. They kidnap this girl and they're going to clubbing. They're like gangsters almost like trying to get their money from this place. And then it's one film and then three quarters away film. It completely changes. And then it's like in a club with like vampires and they're trying to like kill George Clooney, everyone. It's amazing. Like the sun comes, goes down. All of a sudden, all the people in the club, the bikers, they turn into vampires. Um, Danny <laughs> Is that coming from a non-Buffy fan? Uh, from a non-Buffy fan, <laughs> well, absolutely. Because it wasn't; it was so unique, and I had no idea what was going to happen. And then when it turned, it was like, "Oh my, this is weird," but brilliantly so. And again, it kicks off a genre of like, as I said, I don't like vampire things generally. This is one of the exceptions. Next film I'm going to mention. Now, if you haven't seen this, I'll have to end the pod, mate. Independence Day with Will Smith. Please tell me you've seen Independence Day. 
Never seen it. Oh God. I even it was like it was even on Channel Five, wasn't it? Was it Channel Five when Channel Five first came out? There was ads like fucking yep. Independence Day, Mars Attack, or something like that. Yeah, they're yep. big films to yep. draw people in. Yeah, and mate, I, honestly, people that listen to this podcast know better than you now. Film guy, I don't watch films. They don't do nothing for me. I know it's a good film. I've heard the reviews. I've heard people talking about it. It's still spoke about today, etc. But yeah, mate, I haven't, I haven't heard it. So yeah, tell me, sell it to me so I'm going to watch it later. Go on. Well, it's going to have to be one we have to review. It's going to be one of those ones we're going to have to pick out and go, right, watch that, Dave, and we'll do a review of it. Independence okay. Day, and everyone who's listening has probably seen this film, and hopefully most of you like it. It's an alien sci-fi film. Again, I'm not a massive alien sci-fi fan, but this was brilliant. Will Smith with his uh, funny quips, the aliens uh, invading the Earth and then trying to destroy the, the Earth and we're trying to fight back. Humanity's at, at risk. Kelvin Klein is the Prime Minister. Um, Kevin Klein, sorry, not Kevin Klein. Kevin Klein as the, <laughs> <laughs> the Prime Minister, not Calvin Klein. It's not uh, to me. Calvin Klein, Prime Minister. <laughs> <laughs> It's so good. The, the CGI in it is fantastic. The story is quite simple. And yet, it's a great sci-fi film. Now, the next one I know you've seen, and it's the last one I'm going to say, but so far, they're massive. They're great films that you're looking at there. But that's a, I know you're not into films, but for those who are, that's a great decade of... Uh, mo- a great year for movies. Like, that is a cinema heaven. And the next one is a UK film, uh, and it's going to be Train Spotting. Now, I know you... There we go, Train Spotting. The first British film I would say Choose Life that Kate took us out, and I might be wrong, Phil can correct us, out of the Carry On era. Like British film, this British film is back on the map. The way it was directed, the the way it was uh, stylized, the way it portrays Spain and uh, Scotland and things like that. Brilliant movie, uh, brilliant acting, and it changed. UK again in with that Britpop kind of thing the movie scene was coming in Notting Hill um, Love Actually all these films come off this being a successful build Um, Trainspotting you've seen that one haven't you mate Mate, absolutely love Trainspotting we spoke about Trainspotting when we've done our uh, film um, British film episode with David Holland uh, back a couple of seasons ago Um, anybody hasn't listened to that go into the archives and have a listen another fantastic episode but yeah I have, I have watched it, mate. I remember first time round, my mum wouldn't let me see it because obviously she knew, saw the review of it. Um, it was only 13, 14. She's massively anti-drugs, my mum, so there was no way she was letting me watch it. I managed to get it a couple of years later on VHS. Um, I think it was with my cousin, but absolutely. I've, I've got it upstairs now. Not, I don't I've watched much DVDs now, but every now and again when I do delve into the video, the DVD collection, so to say, I put it on. Absolutely loved it. Um, Begbie was my favourite character. Not was, is still my favourite character. Again, alcohol fueled again. Um, there's a bit of humping in it. There's a lot of drugs in it. There's a bit of comedy moments in it. Um, best British film, best Scottish film, whatever you want to say. Mate, I absolutely adore it. Absolutely adore it. And I'm not a big film guy, but once I see a film and I've actually watched it and liked it and I keep going back to it, and for me, I know it's a good film. So, yeah, I didn't realise it was 96, Paul. I haven't done any notes on films. So, yeah, no, it was I'm... a good year for films. That just tops a lot for me, even though I haven't seen the rest, you know. That's what I'm saying. And then there's one more equipment. So I can't not mention this one. And I can go for Asian film, but I will mention this as the last one. Animation change forever. Pixar comes out with Toy Story. Um, and that yeah, I've a, seen that one itself. A game changer. Like the, 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 the CGI in it, the character development. It was the, the birth of, of you know, a, a brand new concept. We haven't seen anything change in animation for a long time. For those who like animation, there was obviously things that would have changed if you were like into that. But your Tom and Jerry's, 
um, your your Disney films with the only ones that you know the raccoons and. Um, I, I preferred Buzz the Great Mouse Detective. <laughs> <laughs> I love Buzz. I have seen it. It's decent. Toy Story. Yeah. I do like it. It, it. And it changed. There was nothing like it before, and it it opened up a brand new door to how kids were going to few films. So again, ninety six revolutionary for for the film uh, thing. Anything to mention? Anything to drop in so far? Not film wise, mate. No. No, you move on. What, anything else? Well, mine are quite negative, actually. Um, I don't oh. want to steal any of your thunder, so. Yeah, because it was 1996, I didn't know what sort of wreckage it was going down, whether it was memories or certain aspects or genres. So the first thing I did, well, obviously, you know, joking aside, I said the Spice Girls and masturbating, because that was literally the first two things I thought of, you know. But one of the things I first remember, Paul, was the Dockland bombings, man, in London. Ah, yes. On the IRA. They bombed London twice. They? They'd done the Docklands, they'd done it on a bus in London, and then they had a failed... They'd done one in Manchester, and then they had another one failed in London when they was going to fuck about the electricity. Because I remember us doing that in school. So in English, we had to do some sort of um, newspaper cuttings about it, and it literally it oh, just yeah. happened. So it was sort of fresh in our memories. But yeah, the Docklands bombings, man. I remember them from uh, 1996 when we was a kid. Obviously, must be from London as well, on, as well. It was a national news as well as regional news, wasn't it, you know? That, yeah, that's uh, the Dr. Bonds are massive. Uh, you're absolutely right. Um, I think, you know, it's not about just being negative or positive. It's about the year in general. And no year has no negatives. Uh, you know, no year has negative. Of course they don't. They're, they're, they're generally evens out. But when you're talking to things like that, that was a massive thing. The IRA was, it was I don't know if it was peak in 96, probably about 98, it maybe peaked a bit more. But you're right, in terms of actual, before September 11th, this was what mm. terrorism was. But back in the day, it wasn't called terrorism. It was, just, it was the IRA. It's only after September 11th then we become used to the word of knowing terrorism, which is it was they called terror, but yeah, it was it impacted a lot of things. I mean, a lot of fear in in London. We had never experienced that, and most people haven't experienced it since the, the war, being at risk of being bombed. You know, again, it was a big gap between that and then September 11th, and then it kind of it, it escalated from there onwards. But yeah, it's it's a sad sad thing. Um, but yeah, I I, I can understand why that's a, a, a big culture a shock for people. Uh, anything else for you? Take that splitting up. Oh, <laughs> it. Got it. Yeah, take, you Spice goes take that split up, didn't they? Nineteen ninety-six. So I think Robbie left prior, yeah. and then they announced they were splitting up later on in the year. So hundreds of screaming fans braved the cold for one last glimpse of their favourite band, and when the limo swept into view, the crowd erupted. <laughs> Minutes later, pop legend David Bowie arrived, but no VIP treatment for him. He was forced to wait at the gates until cleared by security. Take That first hit the charts six years ago. Since then, they've had 12 top 10 hits, including this song, Back For Good, for which they won the best British single at this year's Brit Awards. But it was also at the awards that they announced they were splitting up. No really point, like, crying over it or anything, which I did a lot, <laughs> <laughs> but just... Just support them in all the way, all the way, and wherever yeah. they're going, just support all of them. And they might be splitting <laughs> up, but we're always going to yeah. remember them because they're such a good group, and yeah, it's we're just a shame we're splitting up. Many of the fans had camped outside the studio since early this morning. This afternoon, their idols... Again, we spoke about Take That when we done our music episode. Um, at the time, I admitted I would never... I wouldn't admit I liked the music, but I actually did. Um, we spoke about the Take That Dolls, how massive they were in merchandise. They were just—they weren't just a massive British band. They were a massive band worldwide, you know. Yeah. And uh, obviously, I remember on the news in 1996, um, a lot of the girl, teenage girls, as they do, you know, crying and actually screaming and heartbroken that they're broken up. So, and if you want to take that fan back in 1996, especially if you're female, it's, it was big news. It's big news anyway.
you know, because they're a, they're a massive band. And obviously, us coming from the UK, it made the headlines quite a lot. Front news, back not back news, but front oh, news, newspapers. There was a helpline set up. I think it was the first. It was the actual. Take well, there that, you go. Yeah, that's my point. Because it was so such a, a massive shot and grief. Yeah. And I don't think that's ever been done before or even since. I think it's, it's changed since then. It's interesting. I'm going for all the positives, and you're like, right, take that split up. And <laughs> there was a bombing. Well, I've got I've got a positive for you. He's probably read it down. Man United win the double. There you oh, go. They've always done yeah, it in the 90s. Yeah. You're back on. You're back on. 96 for United. Well, the 90s for United fans were epic. The, the, yeah, yeah. The, speaking about them now, the better. F- check us out on the Phoenix Five show for my negative views on Man United if you're interested in that. But yeah, <laughs> it, 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 that was massive. United were peak, you know, peak 96 to 99 was fucking amazing for as a United fan. Football in general. And you brought us on lovely to the next point. What else happened in 96 was the Euros. Reaching the semi finals of the home tournament, Euro '96, a great summer of weather. It was. It seemed to be sunny every day in '96. Uh, we watched the game, went out to the local pitch after, and tried to recreate the goal because we're still at that age where we're playing football with your mates, and you're in the pub with your dad or your granddad. You're watching the game because it was all like four, three, five o'clock, and you still had time to go out and have a kick about after, you know, and recreating the the Gaza goal on the touchdown with someone spraying water in your mouth when you hit a volley in World Cup, mate. '96 football, sport, fantastic, you know. There's, there's nothing been like 96 since. I know we had the the the, the, the final recently and stuff like that, but 96 won't be. It just, that, again, it culminates with everything we've spoken about with music, with films. There was just a feel-good factor in 96. Um, yeah, thoughts on 96 and the Euros or football in general, anything to bring up? Well, you nailed it with the weather. I, I remember the weather was hot every day. That's what, when we talk about our six weeks holidays as children and when you speak to our parents and stuff, they always, they always remember that the six weeks holidays was always hot. And yeah. I don't think it's a myth. It, I, it was, especially 1996. Like, Cause I'm comparing it to now with my kids and up here where I live in the West Midlands, we've had in the, well, the kids nearly get eight weeks off now, Paul, I can probably count five hot days in eight weeks. Hundred um, I don't want to go into the climate change debate, uh, but something ain't right <laughs> in fucking <laughs> August. But yeah. Um, Euro 96 was massive to be football back then. Absolutely adored football, loved it. Great tournament, less teams. We played Scotland, the arch enemy. Um, one of the best goals you'll see, not just in European football, probably in world football, um, from a great English player and Paul Gascoigne. You mentioned the dentist chair celebration um, because he was out on the piss not long before then, over in China or Thailand, wherever it was. So guys getting pissed and pissed up and on it, allegedly, coming back and playing elite football and scoring. You know, goes to show it's not all about what you put in your system. You, you, you can pull for form on a Saturday afternoon. Well, I think it was, I think it was a Tuesday afternoon or something back then. But yeah, mate, now, um, you're United States. I was beating Holland as well. Unfortunately, we got to the semis. That was it. I'm trying to think my brain's, brain's back now. We've got, I've got beat by Germany. Imagine, I remember watching that with mum and dad um, at the night. So I remember Gascoigne just missing. Um, I remember my dad sort of his legs going mental because he thought he'd won it. And then and hit the post and we got done and won penalties by the Germans. Um, Czech Republic as well. Uh, mentioned to them because then we saw quite a lot of their players come over to the UK as in Patrick Berger, Pavel, well no, never didn't but um, oh, one of the few Man United, Polsky and a few of them um, we fed a love of Czech Republic and everyone was rooting for them to beat Germany but yeah, it was a great tournament we've watched it back and we've been quite critical on the football play but mate, so what? We loved it back then um, yeah. different eras, different time and I'd love to go back to that summer I'd love to go back to that summer as an adult, Paul and enjoy yeah. it in the pub with oh, me mates man. you know what I mean we enjoyed it as kids but it, watching a tournament like that I know we didn't win but we haven't won anything since well, when was that 20 odd years ago so <laughs> nothing's changed but yeah you're 96 it's in my notes as well mate absolutely thoroughly enjoyed it and you said it as well Once, especially that Holland game 
Um, I was on the White City Estate where you live, a mutual friend again, um, Louis. Once we beat Holland 4-5-1, was went straight on the grass downstairs and started doing the shearers and the Sheringhams and the, and the uh, Gascoins. Yeah, great days, mate. Great year. Well, staying with the football, just quickly, not, not that it impacts us as much, but across the pond in America, a new football league was formed in the MLS. Uh, it made its debut in the United States during April of 96. The first MLS match was held in San Jose, California, between San Jose Clash and DC United. San Jose taking the league's first win. MLS was created in 93 out of a deal made in order for the US to host a 94 World Cup, but it actually didn't actually get launched until 96, even though it was supposed to be had supposed to have been launched prior to them hosting the 94 World Cup. It, it took, you know, you can't just create a league overnight. It took them a lot longer than they thought. But and, and the league that's gone going strong even now in, in, in modern football. Um let's move on to something else then. Let's go on to a, a brief look at, at politics. So 90s, I've said at the beginning, and we, and we go right back to the beginning of the podcast when I said in terms of the 10-year decade is one of the best decades, if not the best decade, because everything was going right. Um, you know, Thatcher had been kicked out or resigned. Uh, John Major had taken over, still conservative, but you can see the cracks starting to appear. And this was the year, I would say, that I started getting into politics. Um, not into it as in, you know, into it now, but... I remember picking up the sun and reading the sun for those who hate the sun, obviously it's not a great paper to read politics from maybe, but as a 13 year old built boy, I just listened to things that mum and dad would say about the council and things like that. You start taking a bit more of an interest, not maybe knowing, but I remember, you know, and uh, Blair had come on as this new white hope. I know he wasn't elected to 97, but you started seeing him in the conference more and he started saying things that related to the common people like me and my mum and my dad and what he's going to do is labour for workers and I never understood the divide of labour what labour and conservative were because I didn't understand what politics was at that stage properly but he comes in 97 that, that has another great uh, hope for a long period of time but politics do you remember anything about like that that era of politicians in 96 or that, that time well apparently because Tony Blair's family are from the same part of Ireland my dad's from and apparently our uh, relatives over in Donegal, we're supposed to be distantly related to Tony Blair. Whoa! Here we go, Dave. Let me be proud of, is it? <laughs> uh, mate, yeah. On a serious note, well, it is serious. I think it's factual, I think, but um, I remember the things can only get better. I remember that tune as the sort of promo, if you like, for Labour Party. Uh, mate, we were 14. Politics wasn't really... Newslight come on, we switched off. I'm trying to wrap my brains now without Google. Refresh my memory. That's all I can remember is the campaign for well, the Labour Party, mate. That was what it was. All I remember is the campaign. He comes in 97, but I remember that was yeah. the time. I was here. I'm sorry. Yeah, it, it's, it comes in 97, but it was that you started seeing a, a different... There was a, there, there felt a bit of hope. People started talking about Blair, and I remember my dad and mum again, influenced by them, were like, "Oh, fucking hell, fucking, they've done this, they've done that. It's, it's time to kind of get a change." And that's why I started getting the ear for it. But let's move on to something a bit more fun. That's what 1996, the year of sexy. Okay, here we go. Are you ready for this? My well, eyes are pricked up now. My ears are pricked up now. You said pricked up, I bet. Right, here we go. Hunter yeah. Anderson, Jennifer Aniston, Tyra Banks, Drew Barrymore, Halle Berry, Sandra Bullock, Mariah Carey, Cindy Crawford, Cameron Diaz, Elizabeth Hurley, Janet Jackson, not to everyone, but some people, Nicole Kidman, Jennifer Love Hewitt, L. McPherson, Kate Moss, Michelle Pfeiffer, Princess Diana, to some people, Sharon Stone, Nikki Taylor, Liv Tyler, Kate Winslet. For the men... Or for the women, it depends. Hunks, George Clooney, Leo DiCaprio, Colin Firth, Brad Pitt. The year of sexy, where you get to see everything you wanted to see on FHM, on Loaded, in the sun. And I, it, it, 
that is a year as a peak year of fit speak to me he's gone silent he's blushing no no I'm listening, I'm listening. <laughs> um i did say when we started this season i did say that i was going to try and fit baywatch's erica elenak into every episode um and just fit her into that as well, please, because I felt guilty for not putting in my top top ten of um, sexy girls in the nineties. You don't, you don't need, to, I do, you don't need to say anymore. I've just said the start about masturbating, wanking, etc. <laughs> it was the year of the playgirl, if you like. Yeah, um, the year of the, of the pinup. Don't get me wrong. We've, p- people in the past have posters on the wall, some music stars, and you've had. We've mentioned on before, like famous posters, like the the tennis player with a short skirt lifted up. You know, um, obviously, mainly music magazines. Are, uh, teenage boys would have photo, uh, pictures of um, singers, female singers and stuff. But no, you're right. You saw a bit more cleavage, didn't you? Um, forget about the Sun and Daily Sport because that was more like main adults, but for teenagers, you saw a lot, lot more cleavage, um, a lot more leg, more revealing photos. And as you said, FHM, um, Loaded, Maxim, those sorts of magazines were uh, not gold, gold dust isn't the right word, is it? It's, what's the word I'm looking for when it's available to you? We, we could access it on, to our fingertips, like you can now with the internet, I suppose. Yeah. But back then, it was morning glory. It was fantastic. And obviously today, we don't buy magazines today. We and Paul spoke about this in the past. We get it all on our phones. But yeah, if, well, now I think about it, now you've said it, 96, with the um, the posters and the Playgirls and the magazines and the tissue. <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, I've never thought about it like that, to be honest. But I've never really pinned it down or nailed it down to a year, you know. So, yeah. Now I think but back I think... about it, magazines were very popular, especially for us as teenagers, you know. Exactly. But we weren't buying those mags, were we? The ones with, I suppose we were to an extent. We said before, the FHM were quite expensive. It was later on in the 90s when we were buying the load of the, uh, sorry, the nuts in the, the zoo magazines, which were more affordable. But, yeah, you're probably right, mate. That's probably when they did start. And we started probably nicking pages out, out of magazines, whether it be the shop or the girls at school, you know. So, yeah, yeah, That's yeah. I've just the, got um, my hand down on my... Hand down crotch, where? Yeah. On my crotch at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> I would love but to yeah. see um, That's what I the, remember, really. the Kleenex um, sales ratio in 94 to 95, the 96, a massive surge of uh, income on the Safe Safeway's own brand. Safeway's <laughs> <laughs> uh, Staying in 96, obviously, we're doing that. Let's talk about what there wasn't. We spoke about what there was in, in so far. Let's talk about some things that weren't. In 96, there was no Google, no Facebook, no Twitter, no YouTube, no Reddit, no LinkedIn, no Pinterest, no Tumblr, no Snapchat, no iPhones, no camera phones, no iPods, no Blu-ray discs, no Amazon Kindles, no Skype, no Gmail, no Wikipedia, no iTunes. None of that existed. Hotmail.com, the free internet email service, came online in 96. But all of the other stuff that we're now consumed by wasn't a thing. Um, mm. And that's why 96 is also great, because 97 things start to open up in the world of the internet, which is great in its own right. But the pu- the purity of not having information to your fingertips and not having social media and the pressures, 96 was the last year, I think, the pure year that you had that. Because by 97, you had things like, we would be in the internet cafe in 97. You know, there was no internet before. 97, we started being in an internet cafe and started going on um, ch- MSN chat and uh, different things like that. So it's interesting that there was none of that. Good or bad, you, you you've always debated it. it's 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 a hard one to, to call, but yeah, do, do, did we miss them? Would we miss them now? Of course we would. Um, but yeah, anything else to, to add on to that one? What you never what you never had, you never missed, did you? Well, that's an old saying. So 
we've, we've spoke about this before, you're right. We'll be missing it now. Of course we would. We, we, we're used to it now. It's on our fingertips. We use our phones on our iPads and our tablets every day of our lives. If it was, if the internet was stopped, we'd miss it, but we'd get used to it. We'd have to. You have to revert back to type. So, look, we speak about, we're on this podcast for the 90s. We're talking about, you know, when we were teenagers, our, our yesteryears, if you like. Um, it's, so it's hard to compare to an extent because we never had it. But we enjoyed the magazines that we just spoke about. You know, we enjoyed not we enjoyed going out with a football and not sitting on our um, well, we did sit on our Nintendo to an extent, but we played a lot more as, as children. We did a lot more than what our children do now. So, yeah. Now, to your original question, mate, would we miss it? Of course we would. If it if it went if it was um, if they got rid of the internet, if it was stopped, we'd have to adapt. But back in the day, we didn't know it existed, so we didn't give a fuck. Simple as that. Well, you've mentioned gaming there, so I'll go on to my next one. Nintendo 64 was released in 1996. Nintendo's newest release is causing a commotion, and children aren't the only ones getting into it. Go back over the bridge. Go over the, no, no. Go back, go back over the bridge. You gotta go over the bridge. The bridge. Most stores started selling the system today, and they've already sold out. Toys R Us had the largest shipment available to the public, and before noon, they were sold out. Uh, this is going to be uh, the, the system uh, for the year, and it's obviously going to be one of those high-demand things. It's going to be extremely difficult to get a hold of. The difference between this game and all the rest is in the name, Nintendo 64. It has 64 bits of memory, twice the power of other games on the market. The price is the same as their two systems, and so I think that's the other reason. Um, people look at it and go, well, I can buy a 32-bit system or a 64-bit system, same price. The $200 unit is expected to be in higher demand than the Cabbage Patch doll was a few years ago. If you're coming to the store to get your hand on one of these, you'll likely end up with one of these, and they're not guaranteeing you can get the one before the holidays. Game console first right now, Japan during the, June the 360 so degree it came playing out in environment is part of the Nintendo's new gaming system was praised by critics as one of the best home gaming consoles that ever been released. The N64 provided to be popular with consumers as well as retailers. It's in a very high demand the product within the first year of its release. Now, I'm a SNES guy, love SNES. Then I went on to PlayStation. I never got into the N64 until a little bit later when WSW Revenge came out, um, which was me, Paul, Ben, Bummy. There was about six of us would sit around his house on a Sunday and play hours and hours of N64. Interesting. From SNES to that, it was a big jump. Do you remember much about the N64 playing it, being excited about it coming out? No, mate. I, I, I don't. Again, 96, it seems too early to me. I thought that was like a fucking late 90s, early noughties. Um, no, I wasn't excited. I was same as you. I was, I was a Nintendo guy. Um, had the Nintendo original, had the SNES, and then I had to, as I said before, I had to make my mind about over the PlayStation and the Sega Saturn for the Sega Saturn. Bad mistake, but mate, if I'm honest, I've never ever played the N64 ever in my life. <laughs> so I, what, I, I had um, Game Boy as well. So yeah, I was, I was um, pro Nintendo, and I made a mistake getting the Saturn. Wish I'd gone for the PlayStation now, but. There again, I should have gone for the N64 being pro Nintendo, but no, they just didn't do anything for me. I think at the time you got you had. Um, PlayStation and, well, I think PlayStation and Saturn were two years later, weren't they, or a year later? I remember a little bit of war between them on the back of magazines, going back to the internet, no internet, back of magazines, newspaper, um, kids' TV shows. So, yeah, the Saturn. So, now a bit boring there, mate. I've never played N64 in my life, so I haven't really got any opinion on it. I'm totally honest, mate. That's fair enough. I'm, as I said, people that that, that that are big gaming fans, and I was in, I was coming out of gaming at about this time in 96. I'm yeah, I'm me. I'm me. I was more I'm, football. Yeah. 
I was like SNES, and then it, the PlayStation came out in '95, and I had one of those, I think. Well, no, I had one of those, but I, got, I think it's '95, but I might have got it in '97. And it was a choice. It was either SNES, the Saturn, or the PlayStation. I went for the play, or my parents got me the PlayStation. Um, let's talk about some of the the, the things that on everyone's lips is the cost of living. So, just a rough look back at some of the things. So, a Mars bar cost 29p. A Freddo was 10p. A box of 80 tea bags was 38p. A pint of milk was uh, 30p. And an average price of beer was £1.10. What's the average price well, of beer now? <laughs> £5.50? Well, yeah, it depends yeah. where you live in the country, doesn't it? When the cheapest one for me here is two twenty, and that's in the Weatherspoons. Oh, but wow. if you go to a normal pub, you're looking £3.50, £3.60, mate. But obviously, where you live down south, you're probably paying double that, aren't you? Oh, it's, yeah, £5.50, £6 now for a pint yeah. in, uh, down south, 100%. But it's all relative, of course. Freddo has stayed at 10p for so long. It's amazing that they run it. And it's 15. Is it 20p now or 15p, Freddo? Isn't it 20p now? Well, yeah, I think so. They dropped the 15. I don't know. But it was, that was you know, it's all relative to income and stuff like that. So I never get buy into that too much about how much a house is wearing in the 90s. But generally, it was, again, you people had money in their pocket, went to work, paid their bills, and felt they had a bit of change to, to spend. Whereas now, with no one, I, I had issues, they were staff, and it was difficult because they, they, they're struggling to kind of understand why they've got their money at the end of the month and, and how they're supposed to, everything's gone up so much. So I can see this from staff and I'm just like, God, it's, and then someone says to me, they are, oh, you know, back in the, in the eighties. And I was like, yeah, but you can't, it's, it's all relative. Earnings is linked what you, what you pay and what you buy. And it's all linked to food inflation and all this stuff. And that's why, again, the nineties, we never felt we went without. There was great crisps and sweets and you went on done things and ate things and, I think now when you go a bit older, you start having the responsibility. I remember, you know, 98, 99, when it was like Christmas time, all of a sudden, you know, big consoles were out, like your Playstations. So, and they were like five, 600 pounds a pop. So for your parents to buy that, opposed to when you're, you know, 11, 12, a, a small board game and a few things, at the cost of your parents having to look after Christmases and birthdays skyrocketed. And even now when you've got iPads and all this other pressure to to, to bring things on, Again, 96 was the peak. It was 96 where it started to then cross over. And N64 was actually affordable compared to the PS and that. It was one of the cheaper consoles when it came out because they wanted it to be appealed to families. Um, yeah, mate, I'm waffling on there. Go. Any, anything next for you to add? No, you make a fair point there. I think at Christmas time, my mum and dad saved most of the year um, Christmas clubs. Um, they spoiled me to an extent at Christmas, but we've as we said before I think it was on our school holidays episode now with our kids when they want it we give it to them straight away um, whether we can afford it or not um, I always put them first whereas back in the 90s probably in the 80s and 70s as well I suppose but like you said they've got a bit more change in your pocket but parents are probably more stricter whether they have money or not you know I suppose I'm going down a, a rabbit hole to an extent I'm talking about parenting now rather than fiscal <laughs> finances but yeah yeah as I said to the original question I never seemed to go without. So mum and dad always did have a spare bit of change. You know, just say, for instance, like you mentioned your Mars bars and your Freddos. Like now with my kids, I'll let them have whatever they want. But my mum and dad would pull out a packet of change. You don't see that now, do you, change? And say, well, yeah. Yeah, I've got enough for a Freddo. I've got enough for a Mars bar or chew it or something. Yeah, go go and help yourself. Go and get what you want to an extent. But yeah, it's hard to hard to comment on the finances. I suppose our parents would be better to answer that because me and you just were given money by our mums and dads in the morning time. And like I said, we had, designer clothes um, to an extent, you know, decent trainers. We never went without um, some of us, some guys, including yourself or Nick's, but we won't speak about that. 
happen. No, yeah, it's, it's a hard one to answer, but I do get I, I do get your um, rhetoric on it about it being people having more money in their pocket, things a bit more affordable compared to, to nowadays, you know. I, I totally get it. Well, in November of 96, the DVD was born. The world's first DVD appeared in Japan. And DVDs, mate, I, I, were, were massive. It was a game changer. We had VHS for, and BMX for so long. And although DVDs are probably not around as much now as they were, I I owned at its peak, I owned about 2,500 DVDs. I would buy five a week. I would buy I, so many. Even now, I've got probably about 900 downstairs in a cupboard. But the birth of the DVD, what do you remember about DVD coming on? You know, it's... It, what do you yeah what what was your thoughts on dvds yeah not in 96 for me mate no way i was still buying vhs there's no one i didn't have a i didn't have a dvd player to 2000 so it was if i'm being perfectly honest mate it was that was alien to me i remember we had tape trading at school and it was still vhs so i don't think anyone had them at school um no i don't really trying to remember them in 96 mate no i don't when i looked at it i was surprised again you know you said about, oh i didn't know it was, i thought it was like 2003 2004 yeah. I looked in the history yeah. it's a lot a lot earlier obviously mainstream access was you said japan part. sorry mate you said japan so maybe that's what you're talking about japan rather than the uk yeah yeah i don't japan. remember seen a dvd in 96 no i'm i'm the same as probably floppy disk i'm i'm again i'm using that whole like well it came out in 96 so i'm going to use that as a as a shield to kind of talk mm. about it because it's still in terms of groundbreaking technology in 96 it was groundbreaking. It's still relevant, isn't it? Yeah, we didn't get to study later, but it's still. Um, on to wrestling. I can't go out without talking about wrestling. And a star is born. This the man right prestigious here. prestigious king of the ring, Stone Cold Steve Austin, an incredible victory. The first thing I want to be done is to get that piece of crap out of my ring. Don't just get him out of the ring. Get him out of the WWF. Because I proved, son, without a shadow of a doubt, you ain't got what it takes anymore. You sit there and you thump your Bible and you say your prayers and it didn't get you anywhere. Talk about your Psalms, talk about John 3.16. Austin 3.16 says I just whipped your ass. All he's got to do is go buy him a cheap bottle of Thunderbird and try to dig Stone Cold Steve Austin wins the King of the Ring and he begins the best, the biggest run in WWF history. And you had WSW, a new duo, are about to change the face of wrestling with the NWO. Um, I'm a big wrestling fan. For those, uh, we have a podcast called Can We Book This? Uh, Go back and listen to that. It's in one of the links earlier. It's good, that is. It's good, that is. I enjoyed that. Thank you. It's... This is the '96 man. It was all going on football. We said about music, films, wrestling. Dip, mate. What '96? What what have you can say about that? Like, just yeah, I, I I'm getting giddy now thinking about '96 again. Sitting down on a Friday night watching W uh, Raw, recording Nitro on TNT, watching that after, and just sitting with my mates having a pizza and watching that on a Friday night. It was epic. Thoughts. That, those mid-90s, mate, as I said before, um, never had Sky or anything, so I sort of lost interest in wrestling. Got back into it like 98, 99 when you, me and you used to run fucking right in the school, rest, you know, doing moves on people and you being Mankind and me being <laughs> Jesse Road Dog, Jesse James. So I never I never seen it back then. Um, I saw the early stuff with WCW tapes, as we've mentioned before and stuff, but yeah, I know you're a massive wrestling fan. I, I saw the, I, I listened to every episode of the podcast. I like the last one, the heavyweights and stuff. Um, but yeah, 
can't really comment too much on mid-90s wrestling because I didn't see it, but I do realise from your podcast and other certain things I've heard that probably wasn't the best time for WWF in the mid-90s. It got better in the Attitude Era. Um, but yeah, definitely understand it. I did write a couple of other things down. When you mentioned football, um, I don't know if you've written it down. It was in 1996. Alan Shearer sold for 15 million, the world's most expensive footballer. Oh, I remember that clear as day. Good call. That changed yeah. the game again, didn't it? That was a big... Big change. Remember of- people back then saying, How can you pay 15 million for a footballer? You can buy someone now for 15 million. It's not even a bargain, it's a fucking steal, isn't it? You know? Good evening. He's coming home, but at a price. Yes, Alan Shearer, who left the Northeast to find his footballing fortune, has discovered it in his own backyard. Newcastle United are paying a world record £15 million for England's number one striker. Monday, July the 29th, will go down as a great day in Newcastle United's long and famous history. Alan Shearer of Blackburn and England was coming home. At St James's Park, excited fans waited in the rain for a glimpse of their new hero. But Shearer wasn't there. The news had been broken in Bangkok during Newcastle's pre-season tour of the Far East. We have signed Alan Shearer. It's a world record fee that we've paid. And we're delighted, obviously. I couldn't believe it this morning when I heard it. I just couldn't believe it. There's people running around the streets seeing it's signed Shearer. That's just fantastic. It's the biggest the biggest money sign in the world, so it just puts Newcastle like right on the map, you know, like it's excellent. I used to support Blackburn, but now she's gone to Newcastle, I would say we're probably sort of 500 shirts. That's, yes, I, God, I didn't even think of that, well, that's not, that's not my name. Yeah. yeah, that was a big, big moment in football because it was a, a British transfer fee and it was a big jump from, Andy Cole was one before when we paid seven and a half. No, no, he's the world's, the world's most expensive footballer. It was the world, yeah. The world, yeah. But the, the jump in, I think prior to that, the record fee was about seven. I know, because a player in Italy went for about 13 million a couple of years before, which was a surprise, but we spoke oh, yeah. about it five. But out of that side, I think it, it, British transfer fee was Andy Cole prior to that. And then obviously Shearer comes in the world transfer fee, which wasn't seen before. It was such a lot of money. That's, yeah, great, great, great shout that one, 96 on, on that. And the, the, the Toonami, fantastic year. Mm. I had a little silly one written down. <laughs> oh. Jockey Willie Carson. Yes. He got, he, got injured, he got injured when he got kicked by a horse in the liver. Apparently that was big news in 1996. I don't fucking remember it, but it, on Google it came up quite a lot, mate. So it must have been massive. I've never heard yeah, of it. I've never heard of it. Uh, any horse racing fans out there, get in touch on Twitter and explain. Do you remember that at the time? Because I certainly don't, but... It came up quite a lot compared to uh, some other stuff that Paul's mentioned, you know. So, yeah, Willie Carson, ladies and gentlemen, getting well, kicked in the liver by a horse. That'd teach him, wouldn't it, for melting him? Yeah. Well, TV, <laughs> a few things on TV. <laughs> Friday night TV. I don't know uh, About to get raunchy. Tier Fire launches on February 9th, 96. Quiver has bought his uh, uh, you know, antics, the TV show and Channel 4, hitting us hard between the eyes of live music, shock and awe interviews and regular games involving the studio audience. Freak or unique? Anyone remember that one? Maybe around a baby left baby, right? Where we decide that way the infant will fall in the video clip. Again, pre-YouTube, but they were doing things like showing a clip of a baby and they would say, would it fall left or would it fall right? And I watched an episode the other night. It was, cr- it was brilliant. Um, then you had the pop panel quiz show, never mind the buzzcocks, got us humming into the intro rounds. That was also... Yeah, that was good. Fun. I like that. Yeah, it's, yeah there's, there's just two of many shows, but I've chosen those two. We've waxed the call back to you five Friday and average episodes. Not really spoke much about Never Mind the Buzzcocks, but I, I went no. down a rabbit hole the other week when I was, again, looking at 96. 
um, Mark Lamar was uh, hosting it and it was fucking brilliant. Like it was so good. And it's even, I watch it now on Sky One with um, Greg Davies um, and not everyone loves it, but I still like the, the banter, banter between them. Let's have a vote then, whether you're right or not. I don't care in my mind. That's a good way of working out then. In your mind, you get some points. Fabulous. The observations are flying thick and fast. <laughs> oh, thick anyway. <laughs> Can I tell him a shot on you? Can I have a shot on you? Uh, Let me have a shot on you. Are you mine, okay? Not the quack, first time. Quack, 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 quack. <laughs> Your grip on my shoulders was a little bit too firm then. But it was brilliant. You know, I remember watching that on, a, on, I think, the Tuesday night on BBC Two. Memories for that one, BBC Two, Paul. BBC Two. I know. I, it a lot. I know. It's very rare. But game on, Quantum Leap, and this, they can have. <laughs> uh, any other shows in 96 you can think of? I've got one more. Off. Not at the top of my head. Um, if you've got anything, I've got uh, Dolly the Sheep. Her name is Dolly seven months old, she may not be the monster imagined in a science fiction fantasy, yet the cuddly Finn Dorset lamb may represent a major landmark in the history of genetic engineering. On an ordinary farm in Scotland, scientists say a clone was created from a single cell taken from the udder of a sheep. The embryo was then implanted in a surrogate, making an exact genetic copy... First mammal to be cloned from an adult um, cell was born. I've got Dolly the Sheep, remember her? Hey, you, we're going to end it on a science... A, a, again, a game-changing moment in history in 96 with Dolly the Sheep. You know, A successful science experiment for a change, yeah. yeah. Let's say successful, you're absolutely right, a successful... And the birth of cloning, and done in the UK as well. That was it, and it was groundbreaking. I remember... When it first came on, it was really like, what the fuck? They're going to clone the sheep. We, we didn't give a shit. But now... As we didn't adults, understand it, did we? No. But now the relevance of that in the science world is massive. Absolutely massive. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm going to we'll end it there with 96. As I said, I think we've, we've done 40 odd minutes of talking about 96. And I think if I haven't convinced you that 96 is the best year on record in the 90s, feel free to get in contact and tell me why you think your year or a year that you chose was a better year. But I just don't see any of that being topped. We were in our prime. If you're older and you're listening to this and you're, you know, maybe 50, then obviously that might, a lot of the stuff might have skipped you. Right in 86. <laughs> 86, maybe it might be a peak for you. But for those who are 38 to 42, 43, I think this decade and this year in particular pinpoints it perfectly. Would you agree, Dave? Can't disagree at all, mate. You've sold it to me. Woo! And even Independence Day, when you say Calvin Klein was the Prime Minister, I've got to have a nosy at that. <laughs> okay, right. We're going to move on to our um, Guess the Ads. Guess the Ads. We test and check out for 10 years normal used to run. Last year we built a million and on and on and on. Water in Majorca. What's that? Don't taste like what it alter. The water in Majorca don't taste like what it alter. One of our monsters has dared the others to spend the night in haunted wood. The only snack big enough to see them through the night ahead. Of course, they're too big to be scared, but even big, brave monsters get frightened. Sometimes. Guess. 
the Okay, so you play three clips there. Dave, uh, do you have the three answers for me? First one, what we, what this is a t- tricky one, the first one, because until I heard the ad, I forgot the company even existed. Go no, for no. it. I do know it. This is probably the, not the easiest one, but I got it straight away because I remember the theme tune because I remember the advert. It was like people going around and around, completing, uh, sort of doing this thing, everything like fucking 180 all the time, just repeating the same thing. It was an arm. And on and Ariston. Ariston Electricals. Yeah, yeah, I remember that impressive. one. Impressive. I didn't think you'd Early get that. 90s. That's impressive. Second clip, the 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 plane rain in the plane, mainly in Spain. What's the rain in the plane? plane? Now this one, I thought I've got it straight away. It's definitely beer. Um yeah. this is an, this is another very early nineties clip. You know why I remember this one, Paul? WCW um um get stuffed. In between the adverts, it's always, it's always on like about 91, 92. I really remember this. It's either Heineken or fucking Holston Pills, man. I'm sure it is. Fuck. <laughs> Holston Pills, I thought, had like a singing man. American actor. I'm going to look at Heineken. I'm going to go Heineken. It's definitely beer. Yes, He's smashing it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Only not his memory. Get in there. Love it. Right, the third <laughs> one. What are you thinking the third one? Uh, there's no thinking to it. It's Monster Munch. Way <laughs> free for free. That is the easiest one. Dave, even you've got that. Yes, he yeah. smashed it. If you're playing along at home, let me know. Ask how you got on because I thought this week was a challenging one. Definitely the first two, but he has smashed it out of the park. That's this week's uh, guess the ads. Time for now. Dave's favorite part of the show. It's one word, Paul. Yeah, so I haven't done a one-word pull. Well, I have, so I should rephrase that. I haven't done a one-word pull coming into the episode because I couldn't think of anything. So we said we're doing 1996. I've gone along some of the subjects we've spoken about, and I've picked 10 from there. So basically, I have done one-word pull. Paul, are you ready? I'm ready. Hit that tension music. Spice Girls. Sexy. Masturbation. Lots. (laughs) Dust till dawn. Quality. Gaza. Legend. MLS. Football. Tony Blair. Prick. <laughs> Hotmail.com. Email. Freddo's. Yummy. Never mind the buzzcocks. Uh, intros. <laughs> and last but not least, Dolly the Sheep. Science. Well that's, it. that's it that's done Dave song of the week see us out what have we gone with this week right so the first thoughts I thought well 1996 we've got to go out with the biggest selling song single of the year I don't know if it's in the world or UK I'm not quite sure so I saw what it was and I thought mm, good song but it's not one I want to go out with really so the biggest song of that year apparently was Killing Me Softly by the Fugees then I had a little little thing so what was song was going around in 1996 what song was on our lips what song was adults and Males and females, kids, all singing. There was only one, wasn't there? Mm. Obviously, being Euro 96, the summer of 96, you can still, I can hear people singing it now. We still sing it now. It's for Dylan Skinner and the Lightning Seeds. It's Three Lions. Football's coming home, you know? Which 27 years later, it still hasn't come home, but we're still singing it. <laughs> it's got to be that for 1996, isn't it? Football's coming home. Dylan Skinner and the Lightning Seeds. Let's go, boys. That is it. 
Oh, lovely. Please tune in again, guys. Remember to like, subscribe, all the normal stuff, the T's and C's. You know what to do by now if you haven't listened to before. First time listeners, we're always on Twitter doing bits at uh, WTS United Glory. So look us on there. We're always uh, talking and looking for new ideas. Email us for any questions or topics at what's the story glory at gmail.com. Apart from that, Dave, we're out. I'll speak to you in 1997. Yeah. <laughs> See you in 97, mate. Take care. Bye bye. Throw it away, gonna blow it away, but I know they can play. Cause I remember he lies on.